0: Welcome to AMDA on the Hill, your opportunity to keep up with the latest policy and advocacy news from AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. AMDA on the Hill is produced in association with AMDA on the Go and available on the same podcast channel. And now here's your host for AMDA on the Hill, Alex Bardak. Hello and welcome to AMDA on the Hill your periodic updates on AMDA's policy and advocacy activities. As usual, my name is Alex Bardock and I'm the Senior Director for Advocacy here at AMDA. Uh, And as we're coming up on the end of the year, I wanted to provide uh, some updates on what we've been working on uh, this year. It has been quite the banner year of achievements uh, that are measurable on something we have been uh, working towards for quite some time. I wanted to thank uh, each and every AMDA member that has contributed to our advocacy activities. And there are many, um, our state-based advocacy committee has been, uh, an extraordinarily voice in our state chapters and in the state houses for advocacy for post-acute and long-term care medicine. And there are many others who have stepped to the plate writing letters, uh, to your members of Congress, uh, as well as, uh, being very, very active in supporting what we are doing. And, um, That makes our job extraordinarily that much easier, uh, and we are very thankful to all of you that have participated uh, and advanced the field of post-acute and long-term care medicine. Um, So what are some of the things that that have happened uh, over the last six months or so? Uh, Well, first and foremost, uh, CMS had issued last year, last February, a proposed rule around ownership transparency. This had a lot to do with uh, disclosing how the financial structures within the nursing facilities operate to understand better how the money flows and where it goes um, and everything that goes into that. Uh, As you all know, AMDA, separately from that, has been advocating that transparency around the medical director role uh, should also be included in these discussions. Uh, We have talked with CMS about this over the last uh, almost a decade, uh, as well as have a bill uh, in Congress that has uh, continued to get support. Uh, And uh, again, thanks to all of those that have written letters to your members of Congress to ask them to support that legislation. Uh, But uh, just last month, CMS issued a final rule around the ownership transparency. And within that rule, uh, CMS actually very clearly stated that they will uh, indeed uh, be p- collecting information about the medical director and will be it will be somehow publicly disclosed. Uh, we are thrilled uh, with this outcome. This is a long time coming. Uh, we issued a press release. Uh, we have an article in uh, McKnight's Senior Care uh, if you want to go ahead and, and read some of those of, of what we have actually uh, said in response to this. But uh, this is clearly a major development, and we are hoping that it is a a launching pad to providing transparency about the clinical and administrative leader of the facility so that the public policymakers and anyone else who is trying to understand uh, who that individual is and for everyone to understand um, What their background is, how many facilities are they working with, any kind of information that would help us understand the landscape uh, of medical directors in nursing facilities. It could also help us understand whether or not there is a shortage uh, of of medical directors across the country uh, so that we can take steps to address uh, those issues. I think all of that is still to come as we roll this out. The next steps in this endeavor is CMS is set to issue sub-regulatory guidance, essentially uh, the nitty-gritty of the implementation of what it will look like, how exactly will they collect this information. Uh, we know that it will likely come from something known as the 855 form, uh, but where will it go? How will they present this information? Whether that's on uh, Care Compare website or by some other means remains to be seen. Uh, this is something we are talking to CMS about uh, in anticipation uh, of this subregulatory guidance. In terms of when we should see the actual implementation, uh, it's likely that it will be next year, uh, next November. They have about a year to figure out how to do this. Um, the agency will be, uh, as I said, trying to figure out exact details and hopefully we will know more, but we don't anticipate that to happen until um, next year at, at some point. So that's obviously a major victory for us. And again, thanks to all of you who have participated in this effort and we will continue to keep you up to date. Um, as this moves along. Uh, the other major news that has uh, dominated the world of post-acute and long-term care has been the proposed rule from CMS around staffing ratios. Uh, this, of course, if you, you probably already know this, but CMS issued a proposed rule mandating uh, the, a certain staffing ratio um, in, in the minds of many that rule fell short uh, in for those that are for the staffing ratio. They believe that the staffing ratio the CMS had come up with falls short um, of the number that they would that they would want. Uh, and for those that believe that um, the staffing ratio is not the right approach, of course, they are concerned about where to find Uh, employees, how to address the actual working conditions that lead to staff turnover, which is, we all know, also is a indicator of quality of the facility, Uh, and all the challenges that we face in terms of recruiting staff, even if a uh, staffing uh, ratio mandate would be in place. Uh, Capitol Hill has been very interested in this issue. There have been dueling uh, messages to CMS from Capitol Hill there are uh, There is legislation in both the House and the Senate uh, asking CMS to postpone this rule until we study this and understand this a little bit better, given all the issues surrounding it. And yet there are those who want CMS to continue full speed ahead and even increase the number uh, of the staffing ratio uh, from what they currently propose. The other big criticism, of course, is that CMS left out LPNs uh, with their requirements for RNs. It's unclear why they did that uh, and um you know there's a lot of attention on this issue uh for Amda's part, we did submit comments. they were very thoughtful uh, with our public policy committee and and want to thank uh each of our volunteers that have served in our public policy steering committee and its subcommittees on clinical issues state-based advocacy um in our telehealth subcommittee that has been working hard to uh, address a number of issues uh, that are going on. And this staffing uh, rule provided us an opportunity to have a very thorough and robust discussion about how to respond and AMDA submitted a response, which you can read uh, on our website and, and uh, please do. Um, in addition to staffing, there are a number of other issues that we're dealing with. As we come to the end of the year, um, many will be interested in what is going on with the proposed CMS cut to Medicare payment. Uh, This is the overall cut, uh, what's known within the physician fee schedule. Um, There's an over 3% cut, 3.7 to be somewhere around there. And um, right now, uh, this is being recorded in December, uh, there are negotiations on Capitol Hill as to how to avoid that cut. Uh, This might sound familiar, because we've talked about this for several years in a row, uh, because each and every year we seem to be coming up uh, in December, and yet there's another looming cut to Medicare payment, and this year being uh, no different. There is a piece of legislation that was just introduced uh, on the House side that would avert the entire uh, cut. There are also other language that's floating out there that would avert about half uh, of the proposed uh, 3.7% cut. So um, it's unclear exactly whether it'll go. Uh, there are a number of must-pass bills that Congress will be working on uh, as we get towards the end of the year, and whether or not this issue is able to get in uh, to one of those packages remains to be seen. Uh, we will activate our grassroots. Uh, we are supportive of bills on Capitol Hill that are attempting to solve this issue. And again, we would ask you to get involved and send letters because they do make a difference, particularly for those in post acute long-term care who are not reimbursed Um like many other specialties that are on the lower end of this, obviously, any sort of cut has, has a significant impact on access to care uh, for for folks that are required care in nursing homes and home health and assisted living. So we are very concerned about that. We are uh, addressing those issues uh, and, you know, hopefully we will see a resolution. There's also a lot of momentum uh, to fix the entire kind of Medicare payment system so that we don't have to come back year year in and year out to try to fix this on an annual basis. It's been an exercise uh, that's gone on for way too long, and I think the, the uh, Medicare uh, provider community is very tired of it, as are folks on Capitol Hill. What that solution looks like um, is the challenge. Uh, right now, there is a proposal to tie Medicare payment, uh, physician payment, To the Medicare Economic Index. Medicare physician payment is one of the only uh, Medicare payment structures that does not, by law, have built in a uh, cost of living, if you will, increase that's tied to the Medicare Economic Index. And so even if you are uh, kind of uh, avoiding these cuts, you're essentially getting back to zero, but you're not getting any uh, positive updates. And that is the only payment uh, within facility payment, between facility payment, uh, whether it be skilled nursing facility, hospital, or others, uh, that does not get such an update. Physician payment's the only one that's kind of out there. And if you look at the charts, you can clearly see that that's accounted for probably close to a 26% cut over the last. Um, couple of decades. And so that's something we're trying to address um, and support legislation that would once and for all end our annual trip to Capitol Hill to address this um, this issue. Um, the other big topic, of course, is COVID. Um, it has not gone away. AMDA continues to monitor what is going on. There are lots of confusion about vaccines, um, what's covered by Part A, what's covered by Part D, what's covered by Part B, what's not covered at all. Uh, if you're talking about vaccinating staff, uh, and so we, are, uh, we have been in, in constant conversations with our uh, stakeholder partners, such as the American um, Society of Consultant Pharmacists, American Healthcare Association, Leading Age, and others who are engaged in these efforts to try and figure out a way to uh, ensure that vaccines are covered and are available to both staff and residents. This is still a major issue. Um, and uh, you know we will work with anyone at CMS or the White House on trying to ensure that there is an affordable way uh, to approach this issue and, and that uh, residents and staff can continue to uh, get vaccinated. We've heard concerns that it is simply too expensive uh, for facilities to be doing vaccine clinics and pay the money up front. And perhaps, uh, you know, even if they do get reimbursed, they will not get reimbursed for the whole amount. And so there are a lot of difficulties um, that are out there, but we are aware and we are trying to solve them. The same goes for the therapeutics out there, Paxlovid, um, other therapeutics um, that are available. They need to continue to be available. And if treatment is appropriate for patients and residents, it should be um something that physicians can rely on to effectively treat uh, COVID. It is still a deadly disease for for those in post-acute and long-term care in particular. There are still people dying every day, as you all know, uh, but that's a message that needs to be out there in the general public uh, that, you know, um, although kind of the, the country and the world, if you will, has moved on, uh, there are still a lot of challenges that remain and how we will address not only COVID, uh, but RSV, uh, pneumococcal vaccines, all of that is in play. Uh, and, and I will say I'll point to our Moving Needles uh, campaign out of the, that, that is being funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that has been very successful in increasing vaccination rates and highlighting these problems. Uh, and we have been very successful uh, in that effort to the point that the CDC director, Dr. Cohen, had visited one of the facilities because it had increased its vaccination rates to such a degree that was very noticeable to CDC. And they want to continue to replicate that around the country. Uh, And so our efforts with the CDC through the grant uh, have been received uh, quite well and has provided us with the platform uh, to ensure that uh, this issue continues to be on the radar of policymakers and that we do find concrete solutions to these ongoing uh, problems. Uh, we also continue to be at, at table at, at at a table in the general sense, at, at uh, to be a voice within the medical community. Uh, AMDA was recently accepted and voted in, finally, in my mind, to the Council uh, of uh, Medical Specialty Societies, as known as CMSS. Uh, I had not been a part of this, but many uh, medical specialty societies have been participating uh, and they do a lot of work around quality measures and and other issues and so um, it's very important that we have a voice at that table uh, and that we continue to provide our input there uh, and other places. Uh, we also have a a seat on the um, on the new PQM, the quality measure, um, Uh, contractor, Battelle, that has taken over for the National Quality Forum, we are represented there as well, and a number of quality measures that are being uh, proposed, and we have a voice at that table. We will be submitting comments uh, and be asking our uh, AMDA volunteers to review uh, and hopefully contribute our voice and be uh, an impactful uh, member of of all of these various uh, coalitions. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we had a very successful uh, uh, meeting at the American Medical Association's House of Delegates. Our two delegates, uh, Dr. Carl Steinberg and Dr. Leslie Eber, successfully presented a resolution from EMDA around prior authorization and uh, who can be on the survey teams and what their scope is. Uh, within the AMA that got a lot of attention, uh, a lot of positive attention, a lot of support, and we were happy to see that. There were other issues that were presented at the AMA meeting around antipsychotic use uh, and a number of others, which we've had a chance to testify on and submit our comments. And I think um, everybody respects the voice of AMDA, continues to respect the voice of AMDA, and we are making headway in a lot of these different issues as of course is evident by our success in getting uh, CMS to reverse course and uh, finally uh, collect information on medical directors and and, um, disclose that to the public, as I mentioned at the outset. So again, this has been quite the banner year. We hope that next year we will continue to build uh, on this momentum. Uh, if you are interested in participating with us, uh, if you're interested in uh, getting involved, uh, we are hosting a number of educational sessions. We just, for example, hosted a, a forum on evolving payment models and how you can find your value. CMS has a stated goal uh, of having every Medicare beneficiary in a value-based arrangement by 2030. So if you're still confused by the landscape of ACOs, ISNPs, uh, Medicare Advantage and what you do, how you code, what is HCC coding, do I need to know ICD-10 coding. We covered all of those issues and we will continue to do that. Uh, and we will, of course, continue to educate on uh, the more traditional billing and coding issues as we transition into value-based medicine. And in general, how to how to ensure that practices in post-acute and long-term care continue to be successful. How do we attract uh, new physicians, new clinicians, new nurse practitioners, physician assistants, uh, and others uh, who, are, uh, who are so vital uh, to this field. We know there is a shortage of, of, of uh, workforce everywhere. It's, it's even more pronounced, of course, in this area. And that's something we're thinking about and how to address uh, in many different ways. So if you're interested in any of those topics, if you're interested in working with us, if you have thoughts, if you have ideas please, please let us know, please get involved with us. Uh, we are here um, to, to listen to you. We are here to learn from you and we are here to advocate on your behalf. Uh, and so with that, I will say happy holidays to everybody. Happy new year. Uh, again, hope to build on everything we are doing and thank you all for what you do each and every day uh, for your patients, for the families of those patients, and for uh, all of us. Uh, I am not a clinician and so I say that every day. Thank you for for what you are doing. And with that, thank you very much and um, stay tuned for more.